2: No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello there. My name is Miles Jupp, and I'm just interrupting you as you listen to whatever it is that you actually want to listen to, to tell you about the second series of Middle Please Umpire. Middle Please Umpire is a podcast that I, Miles Jupp, if you weren't concentrating when I first introduced myself. Only moments ago. That's not a criticism. Your thoughts are your own and you must focus them wheresoever you yourself choose. Host with Mark Wood, the 95 mile an hour bowling England playing World Cup winning Northumberland hailing cricket lunatic Mark Wood. It's another series of episodes of the two of us talking about cricket and indeed any other stuff that springs to mind, both with each other and also with a succession of frankly illustrious guests. We lift the lid on Mark's life as an international sportsman. Basically, he spends a lot of time icing himself and take you on a whistle-stop journey through the windmills of his mind. I, a mere fan, listener, gog, giggle excitedly and try and draw comparisons with my own rather more mundane existence. All episodes of Middle Please Umpire are available right now from your favourite podcast providers.
0: And welcome to the Chels. Well, not much to talk about this week, is there? Another quiet week of a couple of games, a few ideas buzzing around the football world, some sackings. Not sure we'll be able to fill the time adequately this week, but we'll see. Remember what we said last week? We could be here on this point this week talking about what a wonderful week if we beat Porto and we beat Man City. And we've done it, but in some ways it kind of feels a little bit secondary. It's so much to talk about. Now, I tell you what, somebody who's going to have to help me unscramble my thoughts, unscramble the week. it's the man, the, the unscrambler, the man who manages to find a way through to the reality. It's Mr Andy Saunders. I'm not sure
1: it's secondary I mean those two wins. I mean that's got to be front and center, isn't it? Those two wins. I mean that was an amazing week of football. I mean the other stuff is important, but that's it's not secondary, Kerry. I think that you know the 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 result. I wouldn't say the win because it wasn't a win against Porto. It's put us into the semi-finals of the Champions League and beating Man City to get into the FA Cup final. I would say they're both primary, mate.
0: Okay, but there is a knock-on, huge knock-on effect. And before we go any further, I. Do want to qualify this was one of the great weeks of Chelsea football for me I, I really absolutely loved both games and we'll get into them the other stories well you know it, it, it's just weird when you suddenly see the the story of the European Super League and then the secondary story to that is Jose Mourinho being sacked and you start going things have gone a bit bonkers haven't they um, well the know,
1: Mourinho thing You know, I mean, let's get the Mourinho thing out of the way, because for me, that's not really that relevant, really. I mean, yes, I mean, Jose Mourinho, probably our greatest ever manager, if you look at the trophies. We owe him a huge debt for what he did in 2004 and 2005 and in his second spell. Um, But ultimately, his tenure at Spurs had turned into a bit of a disaster, a bit of a catastrophe, so I think we all kind of saw it coming. We probably didn't see the timing of it just before a final, which seems very brutal. Uh, and there are rumours, of course, that he disagreed with the European Super League uh, proposition, of which Spurs are a signatory, uh, which may be a factor, uh, but that's just pure speculation. Uh, but ultimately, Jose getting sacked by a club because he hasn't performed um, and, and seems to have you know been at odds with the hierarchy and some say the players, that's not really news that's what Jose does
0: <laughs> that's true but I think this is a spectacularly early exit isn't it 17 months I mean that's that's good yeah, it's normally year going. three that he goes yeah, yeah and he, he's gone early yeah well, I suppose you know things speed up as you get older
1: I mean they have been they have been you know an absolute disgrace recently Spurs I mean they're not then they're not a, a, a top football club they just they just don't look like they've got any spirit or will and now that Harry Kane's got an injury you can only you can't see a bright future for the rest of the season for them really
0: okay so that leads me on to another point um are they actually a kind of team you would expect to be part of a european super league well i saw you said that
1: how can it be a european super league when spurs are part of it i mean there's a lot (laughs) there's a lot to be said for that isn't there um i suppose in terms of uh, you know, size and reach, I guess out of the, out of the uh, teams in the Premier League, you'd have to say that, but they haven't got a massive European prep pedigree, have they um, no, and, and so from that perspective, it is a bit weird when you look at them against but then you could probably argue the same thing for Man City.
0: Well, at least they are a current side that looks as though they do and will have that European pedigree, much in the but same they haven't way that got one <clears throat> not at the moment they don't they are a uh, well, big you but
1: the blame plain massive devil's advocate that's the argument you'd use for spurs, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, but I, I kind of hate Spurs as well. Yeah, so, yeah so it's I a know, double.
1: but I'm just I'm just throwing it out there that yeah, I mean I agree with you. Spurs, you know, if, you, if if this is based on teams that have got a European pedigree and deserve to, you know, to be part of a of a European Super League, can't quite work out why Spurs Spurs are part of it.
0: No, absolutely, uh, or Arsenal at this present moment in time. No, you, you know, it's although it's they have weird. reached
1: the Champions League final and they have, you know, they have played a lot of Champions League football, so.
0: Yeah, but Nottingham Forest have won the the European Cup. So not the
1: Champions League.
0: No, but it's still a European yeah, Cup. Yeah, but it's not, so it not the Champions well League. Yeah, see, it. I think it's. I think there's too much historical coefficient nonsense mm. from a, a group of. I take teens. your point. Yeah. I take
1: your point about Nottingham Forest, and of course, you know Villa and Villa, you, you know, and there's there's others as well, other other sort of anomalies in there. Um, but it's not the Champions League. I mean, I, I don't, listen. I think the whole thing's a whole load of nonsense anyway, um, and, and a shameful exercise in in you know in in clubs not understanding where where fans fit into this. Um so so it's it's an argument that's always going to end badly anyway because there's no winners.
0: No, absolutely. And and the point is a lot of people last night on the Sunday when the story broke suggested that this was just to get leverage over the Champions League that it's just wrestling the control back to the top clubs. But the more that's being revealed through the last 24 hours the more you feel this is a reality. They've already announced it's going to start in August. You know, you've got various members leaving the ECA, the European Club Association. Um, This is a reality, isn't it, at the moment? Or do you still think this is a bit of um, play acting by these clubs?
1: Well, I, th- I, think, I think there's a certain amount of willy-waving going on, you know, uh, in, in terms of trying to assert power. Um, and Can I just they,
0: ask, is that a technical PR it's a technical,
1: term? It's a technical term, it's just a technical term, Kerry, willy-waving. <laughs> Willy- you know. And okay. um, I think this is, this is something that these clubs have done before to get themselves a bigger slice of the financial pie around uh, European football. Um, so I don't think anybody's surprised from that perspective. I mean, there's two things here. One, I think there's going to be a huge amount of legal challenges, so there's no way this is going to start in August. It just isn't, you know, because UEFA, FIFA even, are going to, you know, get the lawyers uh, involved straight away on this. Um, uh, You know, as are all the domestic... Club associations, you know, whether it's the Premier League or La Liga or Serie A or whatever it is. Um, So so there's going to be a lot of twists and turns before we get to any level of consensus of what's going to happen. That's the first thing. This is not going to be a quick process as fast as I can see, as far as I can see. And secondly, I'm not quite sure... What they're proposing are you this is not a, as far as I see a replacement for the premier league This is a replace. This is a this is an addition to the premier league is am I right? Is that it's a midweek competition? That's yes. going to replace like the champions league. It's going to replace some of our domestic cup competitions so for example the carabao cup would go um, but they would still possibly compete in the fa cup, but it's basically a, 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 a closed shop league that happens midweek instead of European competitions instead of like you know the the, the champions league it 's not it 's not for example getting rid of the premier League. am I right on that
0: no that 's the idea, but there is talk that perhaps they realize that they may end up in problems with staying in the various leagues. So, look, there's so much that's still open to conjecture. But do you, what,
1: the point is, do you, do you understand what it is? Or are you just outraged by the idea of it? I mean, Because I, I don't know. I've tried to read about it. It seems very confused what the proposal is.
0: Yeah, other than that it will be two groups of ten uh, playing on a league basis and then the top four basically go into a knockout tournament um, and that 15 clubs will be permanent members and five clubs, God knows how, will be invited in specially each year to join yeah. uh, for that one year only. So, um, yeah, that, more than that, no. I think it, I think it's deliberately woolly because I don't think they want to perhaps give too much away and maybe they don't know. But mm. there, there are so many great conspiracy theories. I mean, one is that, you know, maybe... These clubs, and we know they've been talking about these things for a long time, a lot of these big clubs, you know. Um, who's to say that, uh, you know, they haven't been planning this for a long, long time. Uh, this is perfect timing for them to do it. Um, they've got JP Morgan and Darsen uh, supporting them financially. They're talking about the, the normally they earn £100 I'd say, out of uh, winning the Champions League, Um all these teams will be guaranteed three hundred million per season um it's a it's a it's there's so many aspects of this that we could talk about. I think the only thing we can say for certain is do we agree with a a, a European super league that has no prem, uh you know uh, promotional relegation? Do we want to see it happen or is this actually the most disgusting and vile act by a lot of imported club owners who are basically wanting to replicate a nice safe world of just making money much like the nfl
1: yeah well i think that definitely that you know i think that that that, that's the thing that this is completely governed by commercial uh imperatives it's nothing to do with the culture of football or the history of football it's about um people that see football as a commercial opportunity um and and, and an assumption that fans will follow that and trying to take American sports as a template for what we do in the UK I just think it's ludicrous listen I must just read something that the Chelsea Supporters Trust uh, have have put out about this if that's okay
0: yeah brilliant I was, I was hoping there might be something
1: so they they say um they say expect the unexpected Uh, But today the Chelsea Supporters Trust, our members and football supporters across the world have experienced the ultimate betrayal. Chelsea Football Club, along with 11 of the top European sides, have announced their intention to establish the Super League. This is a decision of greed to line the pockets of those at the top and it's been made with no consideration for the loyal supporters, our history, our future or the future of football in this country. This is unforgivable. Enough is enough. And then they say, and they're quite right, there's never been a more important time to join the Chelsea Supporters Trust. Membership is just £5, and as a member, you get a say on important issues like this and ensure the voice of supporters are heard. Visit chelseasupporterstrust.com to sign up. And they've had a 25% increase in membership. Um, uh, very recently uh, in the last 24 hours in fact a 25% increase in membership so it's a real indicator of just how passionate people are about this topic uh, that was Nick Stroudley uh, from the uh, Chelsea Supporters Trust who got in touch and asked us to, uh, to, to put that message out on their behalf uh, and I can only endorse it and I'm sure you do too, join that uh, Supporters Trust, um, it's your voice, it's your chance to get involved uh, and on issues like this we have to have a voice that's united.
0: Yeah, and I'd also say there's other things that we should be looking at as well. Perhaps we need to have a blackout of all, you know, not purchasing things from the club, keeping our money in our pocket, not spending a penny until we actually have this uh, resolved, if that ever is going to happen. I mean, maybe that's what we need. We need to show the power of the fan and take away the one thing they covet the most, which is our money. Um, I don't know what you think about that. But that's a, th- a thought I was chatting to somebody earlier.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a great idea. The problem is, we're, you know, we're all slaves to our football clubs, aren't we, really? You know, we want to buy the shirts. We want to go to the games. We want to purchase things and buy things and 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 we probably will and they know that they know we're going to renew our season tickets they know that we're going to buy shirts with whoever the you know the hot new player is on the bank they they know that happens um and and we and we will do that so uh, these are lofty ideals and i'm happy to do that but i tell you the i don't think the vast majority of people are because you know, they, they, they just will. I mean I, I will renew my season ticket. I will. I'm sure you will as well. Because I
0: don't know honestly, I don't know how I think at the moment. I mean we've got to see how everything, you know, lies. If it meant that the Premier League becomes devalued, if it creates this huge divide, then no, I I wouldn't renew my season ticket. That's what I feel at this moment in time. Do you though? Yeah, I do. I really right. do. I think yeah. I think I think this goes against all I look I behavior. think a lot
1: of people I I listen I'm not throwing aspersions on you at all you know you you're fully entitled to that view and if you feel that strongly about it good for you but I, I genuinely think that in the heat of the moment people go yeah I'm going to burn my season ticket and I'm not going to renew it and that's it I'm done with football but ultimately football's such a massive part of all of our lives all of you know all all of our you know if you're a proper Chelsea fan you know a a, a long term not a proper Chelsea fan that's the wrong expression a a long-term Chelsea fan like us it's such a huge part of our lives I mean that's a big decision to say I'm not going to not going to go and watch my football team live I'm not going to you're not going to do what I've been doing for the last 40 odd years so I I would say in the heat of the moment people will say that but I I genuinely think that when it comes down to it they'll want to watch their team
0: yeah quite possibly and I I, I totally get why you're saying that's why tempered it at the, at the beginning because that's how i feel right now yeah if it's explained oh, to me and if i see it rationally and it makes sense then fine you know i'm sure i'll support it but at this one thing that people time, aren't
1: saying and i'm pl- sorry to interrupt one thing that people aren't saying right and 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 this is me ju- literally just playing devil's advocate i don't feel strongly about this but uefa is bent as hell right and fifa is bent as hell right there needs to be some significant changes to the way that football is governed generally right i mean that's that's one argument that could be put forward i was like playing devil's advocate i'm just putting that on the table
0: no i think you're absolutely right i think this is all born out of well the other side of the coin is you've got fifa and uefa doing everything they can to get all the money in and so suddenly you have two opposing sides Uh, at loggerheads with each other and that's what makes this a fascinating moment in in football but one has to really be concerned about what the end result is because the one thing I know is at the end of the day I know we have just got to the Champions League semi-final to play Real Madrid for me that is one of the most magical pairings you could have why because we have not played them in a competitive competition for years and years and years. Yeah. And that is the magic of competition. If I play and go and see Chelsea play Real Madrid two or maybe three times in a season, what, what purpose does that serve? We lose something. We lose the magic. We lose the mystique. The thing that makes football so wonderful is the unexpected. As you said from the supporters' trust, you know expect the unexpected well sometimes you that is really can be the worst thing possible we need the magic without without teams competing in the way we do without promotion and relegation you don't get wonderful stories like Leicester winning the league for example you know or lesser clubs winning a cup Mm. it it devalues everything and you know who knows how this will pan out what what if the Premier League go, well, you know what? You lot can do one. We're going to have our own competition. I think they'll find it tough to do That's that because they happen. need the clubs. That's not going to happen. No, but what I'm saying is there has to be a balance. There's, there's already rumours. I, I was listening on Sky Sports. Uh, an unnamed uh, board member of one of the six clubs um, was basically saying that, you know, the good of the game is of a secondary purpose to these clubs right now. Um, and you have to worry because... What will happen? Will we end up doing away with transfer fees? Will there just be a draft in the European Super League? Ultimately, who knows where this is going? I just am completely uh, at the end of my tether to understand exactly where we stand right now at this moment in time. That's why I think something like a fan blackout of all things Chelsea and spend not a penny until we know the realities...
1: That only works is it? if it, if it's if it's realistically gonna work. Of course. And I don't think it will. But I think it's a good idea. And I think it's good to have those ideals and you know, who knows? Maybe I'm wrong, maybe I'm being too cynical. Let me let me make my position very clear. I think this is yeah. disgraceful. I think it's absolutely disgraceful what they're trying to do here. Um, I don't think the, the, the clubs should be responsible for creating a closed shop where there is no promotional relegation, where they basically just lock up all the cash and the opportunities for themselves. Part of the magic of, of Leicester winning the Premier League was was being able to play Champions League football, you know that's a, a, an amazing uh, thing to strive for as a football club. If you're going to stop other clubs doing that just to protect the commercial interests of the big few, I think that's an absolute disgrace, and I think it's shameful that Chelsea are even part of this conversation and considering it. So, you know, I feel I feel as strongly about it as you. I, I want to see what it actually is, because that, that's the thing. I'm, I'm not sure yeah. what the European Super League is. So I, it, it kind of instinctively outrages me, um, but I want, and I'm, I'm not saying I'm going to support it anyway, but I want to know exactly what it is so I can formulate an argument against it, basically.
0: Yeah, sure. that, that That's the problem. We're dealing with small information. Things are creeping out. Like the the European Super League will consider their competition the primary competition that they take part in, yeah. which would implicate that Premier League games you might run out a second string side. Who knows? You know, there's a you would think there's got to be some negotiation in here. It's very hard for people to just slap something on the door unless you're going to walk away completely. And yeah, you would like. I to I mean, think there's this stuff the
1: about, oh, we're going to lose the Carabao Cup. I don't care about that. I don't think many people really care about that. That that's not a big deal. If it if it impacts the Premier League... Jose doesn't care about it anymore. <laughs> no, no, he doesn't. Um, uh, if it's going to impact the Premier League in any way, then that that I think is a seismically bad thing. And um, you know I, I, that that has got to be sacrosanct. That has got to be the Premier. The domestic league competition has got to be the Premier competition in every major footballing country it has to be and and you know for me and the 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 champions league i think is a or the european super league or whatever they're going to call it has got to be almost the, the, the sort of secondary bit of it but i think you have to protect the integrity of your domestic leagues to for football to make any sense for a fan base
0: no, I think I think that's absolutely correct. I fear that that may not be the purpose. Again, well, this I think is you're right. I think that's
1: that's why that's why we're all getting really nervous. Is because I think you're right. I think the the, the shift is towards European football, and actually, all of us grew up watching domestic football, and actually, you know, beating uh, beating Wolves and Everton, and uh, you know, and Leicester you know are 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 hugely important parts of our footballing lives and and you know and and winning the league the premier league for me has always got to be the ambition champions league is the cherry on the top
0: yeah and also it's it's not just about winning sometimes it's about losing having the the chance to go and watch us get turned over by Bradford in the cup at home you know that these things are what makes you a better side it's what makes you a better fan you need the losing as well as the winning and you know that that magic those magical days when we've turned over clubs bigger than us and when other smaller clubs have turned us over this is part of football you take that out and everyone starts from kind of a level playing field it's just a little bit wrong in fact, it's a lot wrong. It's a lot so, wrong. Yeah,
1: you know, it's a lot wrong.
0: So, so the other thing I was just going to say, and we will leave this subject and then have a really happy second half of this podcast. But I think this all had to be said first. Um, the other thing is, if it did come down to the to the wire and we really didn't agree with what was going on mm. and everything was a terrible mess, what about the CPO? We own the pitch, don't we? We could say, sorry. Sling you up, get off our pitch.
1: Don't think that works in that way, Kerry. Does it not? No, no I don't think so.
0: I'm not sure. I, th- I think, think that's,
1: I think that, I, again, I don't know. I'm arguing from an ignorant base, but I think that only works in terms of selling the club, selling the actual physical club. I don't think there's any permission about who can play on the pitch. I genuinely don't. <laughs> Well, have I've you written read that a new somewhere?
0: clause. I, I, no, I haven't. I, this is just a, a thought, you know. And I, I don't know. Look, yeah, I'm just, just looking at it. We we are the pitch owners, as far as I'm concerned. Get off my land. That's yeah,
1: it. It doesn't work like that, I don't think. No, I think but, because because you give the you give the football club a license to play at the club. You know, you may own the land, but you give them a license. What the, what they can't do is sell it.
0: Okay. No, it's just an idea. I thought if we own it, we can do what we like with it.
1: Yeah. Um, it's a nice idea.
0: Yeah, it is. So, you know, we, we will see. But I
1: think it's nonsense.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a bit of nonsense, because I tell you well, what...
1: Well, you've, you've made a whole uh, career out of it, so... Absolutely,
0: and the European Super League is the newest nonsense of them all at the moment, so... Yeah, absolutely. Nonsense. it be very
1: interesting is- to see how it unfolds over the next couple of months, isn't it? Because I, I do think there's going to be lots of twists and turns, there's going to be lots of legal challenges, there's going to be lots of PR and... Ultimately, what will happen is the big clubs, I think, will get big concessions uh, from UEFA regarding the Champions League and stability in the Champions League and, you know, and and, and it will die down for a couple of years and probably rear its head again at regular uh, intervals over the next few decades.
0: Yeah, we'll see. There just seems an awful lot more certainty in certain ways. I, as you say, we've just got to wait and see. I actually think this might be a fast-moving story over the next few days. Mm. I think a lot of things will come out, so we'll see. I mean, well, there's the, the whole
1: thing about banning players from playing for for their national teams, isn't there? As well, yeah. You know, which I think would be really interesting to see how players and agents reacted to that it's one thing the club saying hey well look, you know we don't care you know we're going to deprioritize the premier league deprioritize our domestic cup competitions throw our energies into the into the european super league for a global fan base and make loads of money but if the players are basically sanctioned and told that they can't play for their countries if they participate then that's going to provide a bit of a player backlash that's going to be interesting
0: yeah, well, I, mean, I it's think...
1: not the first time that sports have tried these kind of radical ideas. In cricket, you had the Kerry Packer situation, you know, the, the, the World Series that he started, which was, you know, taking a bunch of the world's best players and paying them to compete in, in competitions uh, in Australia for a television audience. And that resulted in huge sanctions on the players and, and lots of ramifications. And it got very ugly. Um, so it's not the first time that people have tried to do this. It doesn't usually end well.
0: No, it doesn't. Um, And, yeah, I I just don't know how this one is going to end. It's going to be, you know, intriguing to see. Um, Okay, well, look, that's it from us on this part of the pod. When we come back, we'll talk about happiness. It's called football. It's called winning matches.
2: Cooler Kings are made in limited numbers, yet highly affordable. Check them out now on the web at cooler.bike or find them on Instagram with hashtag CoolerKingBike. Cooler.bike, e-bikes that are cool AF.
0: And we're back. So, love the fact you
1: said winning matches when we didn't win a match.
0: Oh, yeah, that's true. Luckily, there's been a gap uh, in the programme. Everyone will have had a little sleep. And they'll have forgotten I said that until you brought it up. Um, it did
1: feel like a win. I mean, I'll give you that. I mean, it's we, like we won it's... on aggregate.
0: Yeah, we did. So it's a bit like, you know, the the battle of Stamford Bridge with Tottenham, which we drew. And we all think we won that day. Yeah. You know, it's kind of that thing. No, uh, absolutely. You're, you're, you're quite right. But, um, OK, Porto. We were kind of worried, weren't we, beforehand, that they couldn't be so benign as they were in the first leg, that they'd they got players back. Um, it was going to be a different, different sort of occasion. Same stadium, which we kind of liked. Um, but, yeah, when you saw the team, what did you make of it and how were you feeling beforehand?
1: Well, obviously feeling very nervous beforehand, like I, like I always do. Um, although not perhaps as nervous as I have in you know in in other situations like this cuz I just don't think Porto even though they had Otavio and is uh, it Morega back um you know in in the team um I, I just didn't think they probably had enough um, and when I saw our team which was a strong team Mendy in goal back three of Aspiliqueta Silva and Rudiger Chilwell and James as the full backs Kante, a little bit of a surprise coming in. Uh, obviously, Kovacic was injured, so Kante kind of had to play, but probably ideally wouldn't have been risked in this game, but played alongside Jorginho uh, with Pulisic, Mount and Havertz retaining his uh, striking position. I'm going looked look to that team and I thought, we've probably got enough here. I don't know how yeah. you felt about it.
0: Yeah, I, I did. I was confident. I've been, look, <clears throat> you know me, I've been confident for a while now. I keep saying we're going to win the the Champions League or should I say we're going to win the last Champions League um the final Champions League who knows um no I felt confident of course you know once you start you start seeing how we set out and and how we set up um and I just thought we seemed assured from the start excuse me it wasn't one of those slow starts we seemed to know our jobs. Everyone seemed switched on. And we can I, talked can about, I just yeah. say,
1: can I just yeah. say it was the dullest game ever. Yeah. It was the dullest, most boring, mindlessly Sleep-inducing game ever, but I loved I it. I
0: loved it. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you had Bayern Munich, PSG on the other side, which by all accounts was an absolute cracker. Um, who right. in their right mind, that wasn't a die-hard Chelsea fan, watched this game because it was shock, It was an absolute shocker. But in terms of doing the job, neutralising the opposition, getting the result required to pro- to progress to the next stage, it was a work of genius.
0: Yeah, it was, and. Uh, Actually, everything about it was sculpted. You know, he he got the performance. It was like, it reminded me of high quality management, a la Mourinho when he used to protect leads and things. Everyone knew their job. Everyone did their job. Everyone got on with it. Nobody really put a foot wrong. I mean, okay, they scored in the last minute with a, with an amazing goal. But you know what? It's always good. If you're going to lose, lose when it doesn't matter. Let them score a wonder goal. It's yeah. another wonder goal used up against you. It's one less down the road. That's well, that's what I think.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, Toremi's goal was an absolute, absolute blind, Perler. wasn't it? You know, you can't argue with that. Um, but there were just three shots on target in the whole game, and two of those came in extra time. You know, it was really <laughs> terrible. Do you know uh, what? Attritional I, I... football.
0: It was. And I actually did feel like Porto were defending a 2-0 loss, if if you know what I mean. It was bizarre. I, you, they just they did so much work. And then in the last third of the field, they just couldn't work it out. I thought we stood tall. Um, yeah, we played who, really well.
1: Who, 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 who do you want to pick out to talk about?
0: Um, well, I was going to pick him out. Somebody in the um in the Man City game who sums up the whole week for me so who do I want to pick out Tiago coming back I thought was um and coming into the side he was in because Christensen is still injured um who knows it might have been the pick anyway but I just think he slots in he calms everyone down And also, he makes Rudiger a better player. I think Mm. Rudiger can maraud. Rudiger can fly into challenges. He knows he's got Tiago Silva not too far away if he decides it's necessary. So he becomes, I think, a better defender with Tiago.
1: No, I wouldn't disagree with that. I think I think Tiago's been uh, uh, was great in that game. Obviously suffering a bit of a back issue which came to light in the Man City game which is I would imagine going to sideline him for a while but in those big games I mean he's a player that's been there done it seen it all he can as you say bring that measure and level of calm to a game which will you know bring everybody into the right mindset and I think you're right about Rudiger I think he's a lot more confident and and able to express himself a lot more when he knows he's got that solidity and security next to him in Thiago Silva.
0: Yeah, I I would agree with everything that you say there. I also thought what was interesting is how well Jorginho and Kante played together. I thought they were fantastic. And Jorginho was probably man of the match.
1: I think so. Listen, Kante, brilliant. I mean, I came in slightly worried about his hamstrings, uh, but, you know, phenomenal performance. And a phenomenal player who's blossomed again, I think, under Thomas Tuchel. And is just, when he's fit, just untouchable, I think, in that position. Uh, but the player I really want to talk about is Jorginho. Because I think that in recent weeks, in recent games, I think he's been absolutely superb. And there's a lot of haters out there. And look, I'd be lying if I didn't have my doubts about him at certain points in his Chelsea career. And I know that you, you have as well. Um, and he can be a frustrating player, particularly when he hasn't got time and space. He, he can look a little bit lightweight and be a little bit timid in his passing. But when he's in this system, he seems to be able to dictate play he seems to be able to boss the midfield and his ability to get his head up to look to pass to trigger the transition with everything we've said a hundred times before and he's also got a little bit more stealing his game he made eight tackles in this match that's the most by a chelsea player in a champions league game since kante against barcelona in 2018 he's somebody that's really starting to read the game well in this system and provide not only that passing opportunity that we know he's always been able to do and the outlet and the be be the outlet for the ball and to trigger the transition but he's also starting to tackle and to put himself in places where he can affect the defensive phase of the game as well
0: yeah I'd, I'd agree with all of that and I'd say also he didn't get a yellow card did he No, And usually in the past, when he's making challenges, he usually ends up with a card and he's got better. There's no doubt that his challenges have got better. He reads it better. He gets in a good shape. Often he'd be in the wrong shape to make a tackle. Um, There's no doubt. What, What I think players like him show is that with coaching... You can alter players. You can change them. He is not the same player that we had under Sarri. He's not the same player we had under Frank. He is this version of Jorginho under Tuchel. And, yeah, I'd, I'd agree with you. I, th- I thought he was he was wonderful.
1: And I wish it, players would stop with this negative agenda against individual players. You know because we, we've seen it time and time again Rudiger had a lot of it you know un, under Frank when, 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 when he was left out by Frank Alonso, various other players they, they, they seem to attract this negative mindset from a section of fans and it's it's really not necessary you know these are top top players all of them they wouldn't be playing for Chelsea if they weren't top top players. Um, sometimes you' just got to give them a little bit of leeway because because more often than not they come good. One interesting, yeah. one interesting fact is you mentioned the yellow card thing. No Chelsea player got a yellow card in that game.
0: Yeah, I know. Porto it,
1: got five, but Chelsea didn't get any.
0: Well, but that's what I'm saying. We were so disciplined. It, yeah. it, it was man game management of the highest order. You know, it, that's why it was a bit of shame we scored. They scored a goal. But it was a worldie, so what, we move on. You Mm. know, somebody said, oh, yeah, but we lost. And I went, well, yeah, but it didn't matter. It was a means
1: to an end, wasn't it? Yeah,
0: exactly. You know, but I I think, I also think, and I'd like to believe, and of course we don't know, this is pure supposition, if we'd have gone a goal down early on, we may well have changed the way that we went forward. Mm. We did. It was that classic case of do what you have to do. And the primary factor that was essential for us was not concede a goal early on. Then it was not concede a goal before halftime. Then it was not concede a goal in the next half of the second half. It was planned. It, w- it was meticulous. And I just thought it was ruthless.
1: I just think I mean, this is one of the real, the real things, that the takeaways from Tuchel's reign so far is this ability to see a plan in place it isn't a case of give the, give the boys a pep talk, give them a formation and send them out there and stand there with your arms crossed. He really does think about the games and, and about the opposition and about strategic thinking uh, in phases of the game. And you can, see, you can see that really clearly. I mean, personally, I love that. I love seeing that kind of strategic brain on, on, on show in games. I'm, you know, one of the things that has had me tearing what, what's left of my hair out is is this lack of a plan. Um, you know the, the the reliance on on individual and team flair, because that's never going to work at this level. Um, and I, I think maybe that's a little bit down to the inexperience of previous managers. But but Tuchel, I think, definitely has a plan, and and it's working. And, it, and the plan changes. It's not the same plan every week. It's not the same setup against oppositions every week. It's there's there's little subtle touches and and and, and you know different ways of looking at things that are, that are really obvious. And I think that's 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 great. And I think anybody that doubts, still doubts the appointment of of Thomas Tuchel, really needs to have a word with themselves.
0: Yeah, I can't believe there is anyone now. Well, um, yeah, we've, you, you like, clearly
1: we've, don't look at social media.
0: No, I clearly don't and I don't take any notice of it half mm. the time because there's a lot of um people out there who've got some very strange views. Mm. But um yeah, anyway, so we we came back from our favorite Spanish city very happy and um then of course we were set up for I mean
1: that's a that's a, sorry just to interrupt that's a that's a good point about about Sevilla, isn't it? And we've had a yeah. pretty good run in Sevilla.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Can we play there every week? Yeah.
1: You know, maybe, I mean, maybe maybe if we enter a European Super League, that can be our kind of mainland Europe second ground.
0: Yeah, because Sevilla won't be in it. So <laughs> exactly, there won't yeah. be anything happening that night. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Brilliant. OK, so moving on to the FA Cup semi-final. Mm. Um, uh, you know, this, this was a daunting one playing what a lot of people consider the best side in Europe at this moment in time. Uh, well, possibly the best, the best side in
1: the world, I think.
0: Yeah, yeah, but, but we, what's the rest of the world? There's not many teams el- elsewhere than Europe, really. Big sides. There's a couple, but um, yeah, no, I, I get your point. No, I mean, they are. They're a fantastic unit. Um, and Kevin De Bruyne was starting for them, and he makes them tick. Um, but it was one of those, wasn't it? it? It was like a free hit, it felt like to me. You thought, well, that we could lose 3-0. We could end up getting something out of this. The common consensus was that it could, well, if City aren't firing, maybe it would go to penalties, who knows. But I just don't think anyone saw what was coming, really. Um, again, great man management. What did you think when you saw the team trotted out?
1: Um, well, well, first, let me let me go back a little bit on, on the Man City thing. I mean, this this game I had... V- very low, if no expectations whatsoever. This was. And a, what
0: did I have? What did I have? I well, was you positive, had High
1: expectations. You told yeah. me.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: But then, yeah, that—that's just. I you. always do. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I was fully prepared to, you know, have an enjoyable afternoon watching the, watching the game, and at the end of it, shrugging my shoulders and going, "Oh well, you know, we, we move on," you know, because Man City have steamrolled. A lot of teams uh, this season, Uh, they've steamrolled us this season. So we know how good they are. We know how good they are going forward. Um, But there was a part of me thinking, I think we can get at them. The, the problem is, can they can they score more goals than us because they've got so much attacking firepower? Um, but with our defence at the moment, I mean, apart from that aberration and anomaly that was the West Brom game, defence has been out, outstanding. So when I saw the team, um, obviously the, the standout kind of eyebrow raiser was Kepper in goal. Um, but, you know, fair enough. He's given him a chance, giving him a shot in the cup games. That's that's fair enough. Uh, as Piliqueta, Silva, and Rudiger again, um, which is solid as hell. Uh, Kante and Jorginho again, which is pr- a proven, you know, decent double six pivot. Uh, James and Chilwell. Um, again, you know, who are proving to be particularly Chilwell, um, really adapting to that that uh, wing-back role. Uh, James, we know, is already an accomplished wing-back. Um, Ziyech uh, came in. Uh, Werner came in for, uh, for Havertz up front. And, and Mason Mount, of course, who's an ever-present, was in the team. So you looked at that team and you thought, well, the defence is good enough. You know, Can we score goals? Possibly, because I don't think Man City's defence is is necessarily all that. So there was definite possibilities. But I think anybody apart from you that went into that game thinking this is a gimme was slightly deluded, I think.
0: Yeah, well, you know, delusion is a wonderful thing and I'm party to it a lot. But every now and then I'm proved right. So it it was, it it was. um... Even a stop clock is right
1: twice a day, Kerry.
0: There you go. Well, I managed to catch up with a stop clock, and we were right. So <laughs> I I have to say, you know, the, the one thing I said before the game um, was that what I think about Wembley is that invariably someone does something you didn't expect them to do, somebody who may not be one of the better-known players. And so it proved for me, Ziyech, um you suddenly... Uh, I'd said also beforehand, the problem with Ziyech, maybe it could be his day, because the problem with Ziyech, we heard about ZX's um, uh, wand, And it's been more like a brick this season because of injury, because of circumstance. He's had a terrible time. He had, I mean, even Martin Keown was going on about it, you know, seven months off football. You know, so he's he's really suffered. Even when we've had players sent off, he's the one who has to go off the pitch. Nothing's really gone for him. And I have to say, it was head and shoulders his best performance for us. And he should still have scored that second opportunity he had. But... He he. There was one pass that he played in the first half. I think it was down the right wing for Reece James, which was just an absolute gorgeous pass. Mm. And you just thought, okay, next season there's something coming for this boy, and maybe he'll finish off in in grand style, ala Pulisic, who also is starting to look right again. There's there's something going on there, and and it was just great to see Zeek.
1: Yeah, it was. He played extremely well. I mean, it was another dull first half, wasn't it? I mean, again, for the neutral, not not a lot to, to look at. But, you know, I think when you play a team like Man City, you've got to play in a very disciplined, yeah. uh, unemotional way that, you know, that allows you to create and take chances when you have to. So taking, you know, sort of nil nil at half time. I was more than happy with that. I felt we were the better side. Man City sort of came slightly back into it towards the end of the half, but for for the majority of the half we didn't see the famed Man City possession really I mean overall they had 55% and we had 45% um, but in the first half we probably had the majority everybody was saying oh it's going to be a case of whether you can get the ball off of Man City well I think we controlled the game for most of it um, and again that was, that was a lot to do with the way we were set up and they couldn't really deal with it um, and I think that you know it was a spectacularly good performance I think and they they just were a bit befuddled and baffled about what, what they could do against a team so well set up as us
0: yeah i mean i would say for for me our performance was tactically brilliant yeah it was every i'd, I'd also said to somebody against porto we had to be at least 90 percent into our game and i said but against city we'll have to be a hundred percent and we were we were a hundred percent in that game there is not one player who did not do their job and the great thing was kepper played and we hardly had to mention him or think about him at all and he did what he, he had fine. to do.
1: He, he did a couple of things well, you know, uh, and and you know, and, and, he, and he did his kicking was all right, and his stopping was all right. I thought he was perfectly fine. Exactly. Listen, I don't. I think I think um, three of Man City's defenders played well. I thought Laporte, Diaz, and, and Cancelo uh, Cancelo played well, but Mendy didn't on the left hand side. And I think that uh, he got given a torrid time by James and Ziyech. Um and. I thought Fernandinho played well for them in the midfield, but I don't he's think. He's a
0: dirty swine. Yeah, but he's good.
1: He's good. I mean, you'd like him in your. I mean, obviously, he's getting old now, but, <laughs> yeah. you know, I think, you know, as a, as a kind of destroyer in midfield, there's, there's few better. Uh, I thought Rodri played well in midfield. So the double six thing was an interesting sort of matchup uh, in the midfield. I didn't think Sterling played very well at all. I thought Jesus was invisible. Uh, and De Bruyne obviously didn't have his best game and went off injured. So, yeah. you know, that that might auger well down the line we still got to play them in the league and we might have to play them in champions league so um you know who knows we we may have got them on an off day but we were better than man city and man city are supposedly best team in the world so i think huge credit to us huge credit to the to the to the manager and to the players who i thought were warriors on the day i thought they played and and you know we said it ourselves didn't we that they played for each other they played as a team they supported each other they they felt like a unit. And and we haven't felt that for a long time, and it was great to see.
0: Yeah, and also, the way Mason Mount dismantled Fernandinho as a player. Yeah, that was
1: great. Uh, <laughs> was
0: great. And squaring up to him. I like that. You know, Mason Mount looks like a slight character. Squares up to
1: him with a smile on He's, his face.
0: But he squares up to all of them. He, he does it. It doesn't matter who it is. It's usually him in with the... The tough man and just giving it some. I love it. Absolutely love it. And, you know, Fernandinho should really have been off. He um, should. He should. But, yeah, you know, you I know. think
1: my point is that he had a really good game. You know, I mean, albeit with a little bit of luck from the referee. He, I quite, You're quite right. should have got booked in the first half. Um, but, you know, he was putting himself about in midfield and we dealt with that. We dealt with that physicality really well. And, you know, maybe a few months ago we wouldn't have done.
0: No, I think we made him look ragged by the second half. Mm. Um, I thought Mason tore him apart. Uh, It was fantastic. Um, The person I'd like to single out for discussion is a man who seems to have evolved in Ben Chilwell. This is a guy who I think has been born again under Tuchel. Um, His defensive now has has got better and better. He understands his wing-back role. He's everywhere. I mean, he is a man of action. It was a shame that he shanked that one, the the shot he had, but he was in that position. Mm. And slowly but surely, he has just managed to push Alonso out of the way and out of the picture. Ben Chilwell, for me, is one of the most improved footballers under Tuchel, and it just shows what a bit of management can do for a player. He looks like the kind of player I was hoping we were getting when we signed him.
1: Well, look look at those players that have made the improvement under Tuchel. Christensen, you know, is is now looking yep. like an absolutely class player. Chilwell, you're absolutely right. You know, a player that came in, uh, when Tuchel came in, you thought this might not work because he's a fullback, you know, and Tuchel's not really going to play fullback, he's going to play wingback. So how's that going to work? But he's just adapted because he's a clever, intelligent, thoughtful uh, and very skillful footballer So I think you're absolutely right Chilwell was, was a, not a revelation Because I think he's been improving week by week uh, in, in that wing-back role And I think he's looking like a very, very, very classy player In the player that we, that we coveted when he was at Leicester um, You know, other players Jorginho, a, a changed player Kovacic, uh, Rudiger You know, these are all players that under Thomas Tuchel Have been given a new lease of life And have seized that opportunity It's great to see
0: yeah. And also the the other thing I'd say about Chelsea tactically was I thought, you know, Wembley is a wider pitch than most. I thought we used the width really well and that's why Werner was in that side. And how many times did he break that high line? I mean, it was it was a masterclass on how to do it. Um he hardly got caught offside once, maybe twice. Um but yeah, it was it was a good tactic and it worked really well. And I actually thought their defence looked a bit confused. We, They did not know how to pick up the players that we had.
1: I thought that Pep had a bit of a disaster, to be honest. I mean, for, yeah, a, for a tactical genius, I, I don't think tactically it was very good. You know, because you say that, that high line... Was, was an obvious vulnerability for them, particularly with the pace that we've got. And you're right. He, he, they got found out time and time again. It got found out for the goal, you know, which was another assist from Timo Werner. So, you know, I mean, we have to... We can't turn around and say that Werner's season's been a disaster because of the amount of assists that he's got. Um, he's there or thereabouts. Great finish by Zayek as well. People saying that was an easy finish. It wasn't. It was behind him. He had to bridge oh. back and put that in. It was a it was a really good finish. And I think you're right that Zayek should have probably scored that second one but again you have to give credit for a very good save uh but you're right i don't think that guardiola covered himself in glory i think if you've got that high if you've got that high line and you're trying to press and the press doesn't work you're in trouble and i think that was the skill of, of tuchel was to say well how do we how do we escape this press um and that and that's where the tactical battle was won i think
0: yeah no i'd agree i i thought it was a fantastic performance um and it was one of those performances that just suddenly made you think that we are now a side for other teams to fear. We have gone into a new place and we have gone into the end of the season in a really positive place. I mean, we'll talk about it in a minute, but, you know, we've got Brighton coming up, our game in hand over West Ham. We've then got West Ham at the weekend. We could be in an an even better position in a week's time. So I, I just really am feeling the love for Chelsea at the moment as a football team, not as a club at the moment with what other things are going on, but as a football team, I think Tuchel has really delivered so far. And I think he's delivered probably earlier than any of us could be expecting. You know, we are in a very, very good position. We are now in an FA Cup final and we are in the Champions League semi-final and we're fighting for top four. And if we
1: lose the semi-finals at the semi-final of the Champions League you know let's say Real Madrid beat us um, and we lose the cup final against Leicester um, would you still think this was a successful season
0: oh yeah no we've got to sack him immediately (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: not not what I'm saying I'm saying I'm saying would would you would you think this was a successful season given the starting point where we we were when we when we started uh, how many games it was ago
0: personally yes whether anyone else will I've no idea I would Um, I would yeah Yeah. totally Um, and what if we finished outside the top four
1: that, that would be a disappointment. I think that, that would be yeah. a big disappointment. I think that we were more than capable of finishing top four. Um, and I think we still are. I think we've got a couple of tough games to go. Certainly those West Ham and City games. I mean, City might be in a position where they've already won it comfortably and they start to rest players thinking about Champions League and, and whatever. Who knows what, 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 what the situation with City is going to be. Those games at the end of the season can be, can be a bit odd sometimes. The West Ham game is going to be absolutely crucial um we have to win that game we have to um all
0: right yeah i'd agree with you so okay with the the matches coming up let's talk we got brighton on tuesday night um this is one of those games where he's got to keep them up after the city win and not take this game for granted we can't afford a performance like west brom and hopefully as we keep saying maybe that was just what we needed but they need to be at the races for this one, don't they?
1: Yeah, Brighton, Brighton are not safe um, by any stretch of the imagination, although they do have two games in hand, um, certainly on uh, Fulham. So the bottom three at the moment is Fulham, West Brom, Sheffield United, who got relegated at the weekend. So you've got Fulham and West Brom both on, well, Fulham's on 27, and Brighton's on 33, but they have two games in hand. So you have to think that Brighton are probably in a decent position here, but they're not... They're not safe, so they're going to want to come out and try and win this game or at least get something out of this game. So it's not a game we can relax in. We saw what happened against West Brom um, where we were complacent. And I think that now you know, we've got uh, seven games left. We have to approach every game like it's a cup final. I know that's a cliche, but we have to until we are mathematically secure in that fourth place position.
0: Yep, no, I'd agree. All right, so what's your prediction for that game? I,
1: I think given the role, the run that we're on at the moment and the momentum that we've got and the unity that feels like we have in the team, I, I can only see a win. I'm going to say 2-0. Yeah,
0: I, I think you're right. Um, I'm going to go 3-0. We haven't scored three for a while, so it's time we did. Um, and then West Ham, well, this is... <laughs> This is the rarefied atmosphere for West Ham. Who, if you look at their last games, there's the ridiculous scores: three all, three two, three two, two three, and they know, lost
1: at the weekend. Yeah,
0: that was ah, uh, that it was lovely to see that joy when they got back to two all. Yeah. I was really depressed, and then suddenly to see the misery when that third Newcastle goal went in. And let's face it, that you know any team that lets Joe Linton score against them. Not a very good look, is it?
1: No. Um, (laughs) We have a game in hand on them, obviously. Um, They're on 55, we're on 54. So we'll go two points clear if we beat Brighton on Tuesday. Um, And then if we beat them, um, we're we're in a really good position then because Leicester don't look like they they necessarily have the legs over their next seven games um, with the injuries that they've got. So, I, I don't know, I think Leicester can be caught as well. Um, so I'm confident. I think West Ham. I'm going to. I'm going to say it's going to be a tight game. I'm going to say two one.
0: Okay, I'm going for a one nil to us.
1: Yes, yeah, um, and also
0: I, I think you're right. I think Leicester are about to get sucked into not a battle for third place, but a battle for fourth. You know, and there's there's a lot riding on Leeds and Liverpool as well. Mm. So if Leeds could get something there, oh god, that sounds so weird to be supporting dirty Leeds, but. I kind of am. Mm. Um, you know, I I I think that we could actually suddenly be in the rarefied atmosphere of a third place. Well, Leicester, West Ham and Liverpool fight it out for four.
1: It's going down to the wire. It could come down yeah, to a bloody totally. goal difference in the end. Yeah, so it's important we score goals. I mean, we have a decent goal difference. You know, uh, West Ham have only got 11. We've got 19. So goal difference it's fine. But behind that, Liverpool have got 16. Spurs have got 17. Um, Leicester have got 18. So, you know, it could come down to goal difference. So it's important that we keep clean sheets and we score goals as well.
0: Brilliant. Absolutely. We've just got to keep on going. All right, Andy. Well, look, uh, we're out of time. That's been fantastic chatting through all this hectic old week. Um, So, yeah, tell us how people can get in touch with us.
1: Well, if you want to uh, follow us on social media or talk to us on social media, uh, you can. On uh, Twitter, it's at Chelsea Podcast. Um, And you can follow me on... Uh, at Mr A Saunders you can follow uh, Kerry on at Kerry Levy which is C-E-R-I-L-E-V-Y on Instagram it's at the Chels or yeah at Chels at the Chels podcast Um, and you can follow me on at one true Saunders and you can follow Kerry on at Kerry Levy 1 and don't forget if you want to join the Chelsea Supporters Trust just go to www.chelseasupporterstrust.com and join for a fiver.
0: There we go that's it that's all done. Right, let's boycott the club. Don't spend money there until they change their mind and get things right. Who knows what we'll be talking about next week, Andy? Uh, it's just tiring, isn't it? It's just too much. Anyway, mate, it's good to speak to you. Um, have a good week. And hopefully, next week, we'll have got six points in the bag from the Premier League. This is a Playback Media production. Get all the associated links for this podcast at
1: chelseapodcast.net.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.